Sex selective abortion is wrong. It is a discriminatory practice on the basis of sex, and it takes place in our country because we have no law against it. That is a quote by a Canadian MP, Kathy Wagenthal. And today on the episode, we are going to be talking with her about sex selective abortion in Canada. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to artifacts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. My name is Peter, host of the show, and with me again is my wonderful co-host, Cameron Cote. Hello, sir. Hey, Peter. How are you doing, bud? I am doing really, really well. It's good to be back in studio with you. Could you, uh, I mean, I, I never asked you to do this, but could you intro, who are the Pro-Life Guys? Who are we? Oh, whew. I'm excited. I don't know if I can say this as well as you do, but uh, we are the pro-life guys. You and me, we are pro-life guys. We're two guys who are passionate about ending the killing of pre-born children in Canada. And this is a podcast dedicated to giving you the tools that you need to change minds, save lives, and be a part of transforming our culture into one in which abortion is unthinkable. How did I do? Is that, is that up to par? That is good. I like to keep you on your toes every now and then. So I want to throw you, throw you a curveball and see how you do it. You did really, really good, though. The audience oh. <laughs> uh, would most certainly agree. Before we dive in, I just want to highlight uh, one thing. We are on Patreon. You can become a financial partner of the Pro-Life Guys podcast so that we can continue having guests like Kathy and we can continue um, bringing good content to you, um, making sure the production is of top quality and uh, and making sure that together we can equip others to have good and winsome and effective conversations on the topic of abortion. All right, so the guest today is an MP, which is a member of parliament here in Canada, Kathy Wagenthal, born in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, Kathy Wagenthal is a conservative member of parliament for the riding of Yorkton, Melville. She was first elected as a member of the Canadian parliament in the 2015 election, and in her first term, she sponsored Bill 225, which, for those of you who don't know, was Cassie and Molly's Law, which sought to create new offenses for injuring or causing the death of a preborn child while committing a criminal offense against her his or her mother, the pregnant woman. She is currently the Deputy Shadow Minister for Veterans Affairs and has been married to her husband, Marty, for 40 years. Together, they have three adult children, and those three adult children have given them 10 grandchildren. This is our conversation with Kathy Wagenthal on the new bill she is proposing uh, and is in parliament right now, Bill C-233, which is a Sex Selective Abortion Act. Kathy. 
Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us in the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Really glad to be here. I love who you are. Oh, wonderful. And we love who you are, Kathy. Um, okay, so you introduced Bill C-23, which was which is the Sex Selective Abortion Act uh, in the House of Parliament. It's an act that seeks to amend the criminal code to prohibit a medical practitioner from performing sex selective abortions and includes directives for guidelines to be established on how information on the prohibition of sex selective abortion is provided by a medical practitioner to a pregnant person. First off, I, I just want to say thank you for doing this and being a voice for the voiceless in our Canadian political realm uh, and system. But let me ask you, what inspired you to develop Bill C-220? 233 rather. Mm -hmm. And what are your goals and plans for it, uh, perhaps both politically and educationally? Okay. Uh, wow. So first of all, this is actually my second private member's bill in my two terms as a member of parliament, which is unheard of. You know, there's people that are still sitting that have been here for a decade or longer and never gotten to their number to be able to present anything in the house. So I take this as a huge privilege and, and it's very humbling my first bill was Cassie and Molly's Law, which was a public safety bill where women who were carrying their child to term were attacked by someone who, who knew that they were pregnant and that child in the womb is also injured or killed. And of course, in this case, Jeff Durham's partner Cassie and their baby they had already named Molly uh, were brutally killed. And that's when he came to the realization that there was nothing in our criminal code uh, that recognized that second life being lost. So that was the goal of that uh, whole intent. And out of that conversation, obviously it didn't pass in the House. And again, the reason being that there is just an incredible lack of desire to attack this issue uh, in a reasonable conversation amongst uh, political parties, partially because um, it's, a, it's a wedge tool, right? It's become uh, such a sword that they don't want to lose that opportunity to use it against, uh, in this case, obviously, the Conservative Party of Canada. So, but as, as I talked about that, and then as we moved on from it, people became aware that this is an issue. And when I have trade shows, I take along petitions with me. And uh, often on firearms, I'm from out west, and they're not happy with the liberal firearms legislation. Also, um, in regards to palliative care is a huge issue and sex selective abortion. So people are friendly out there and they'll come up and they'll say, listen, I want abortion to be accessible in Canada. And then I could have the conversation and just say, so are you okay with sex selective abortion? Well, of course not. That's illegal. You know, and I have to then explain, and I gladly do, that we have no laws in Canada. And at that point, they are appalled and more than willing to sign the petition. So as this new opportunity came up, I really felt that I should approach that. And at the same time, unbeknownst to me, uh, the Dart and Maru Blue Poll was published in the National Post, which took a look at abortion from a number of different angles. And of course, it is true that the majority of Canadians do want access to abortion. And they also think that everything should stay as it is because they think that there's a law. So, but then when they dug down deeper into different issues, specifically, they asked the question, do you uh, believe in the case where a family does not want a child to be a certain sex, that they should be allowed to abort that baby? And the questions are e legal or illegal, 
very simple, straightforward. And 84% of Canadians have indicated no, that this should be prohibited uh, in our criminal code. So that gave me a great deal of uh, added boost to realize that I am, as I had thought I was, representing the majority of Canadians. And as the article said, we are not polarized in this country the way uh, certain media outlets and political parties want us to think we are. So that was the premise of doing it. And um, it's been a real privilege. Yesterday was, was that yesterday or the day before? It all meshes together. Had my first hour of debate. That was on Wednesday. Yeah. And you know, it's tough in the House. And uh, the premise is, listen, this is against human rights. It's against valuing men and women, boys and girls equally, in this case, from the very beginning stages of life. And so it's, it's becoming an issue that's backing uh, what I would say are not pro, even pro-choice people, but just the pro-abortion only people with their backs up against the wall because we're taking their terms and they truly apply here. This is a human rights and an equality issue. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you frame it that way. Of, of th- this is a no brainer. Th- this should be a no brainer. And and I'm sure that when when the debate started on Wednesday, even though there's an overwhelming majority of Canadians, like you said, not only in this most recent poll but in polls before that as well, demonstrating that an overwhelming majority of Canadians yes. support um, legal protection, especially in in this kind of area. Um, but, but in introducing this bill, I'm sure that you weren't met with rounds of applause in spite of the fact that many politicians, um, most notably our, our um, Prime Minister at, at this time here in Canada, have proclaimed to be um, very, very um, feminist in, in their mentality. This, this is a sex selective bill that, that right. combats sexism. Maybe share a little bit about what the response has been in Parliament and maybe if there's been any... Um, surprises of people who have either come out in support or opposition or even encouragement of of how has this last week been and, and arguably I would say the last year of conversation around this what has the response been for you on that right um, people are holding their responses very tight to their chest uh, I've had opportunity to speak to uh, uh, a couple of liberals and I won't I won't share who they are uh, but they've indicated that this has really made it uncomfortable for the Prime Minister and for the stance uh, that they have taken in the past. And uh, every time a petition is presented in the House of 25 names on a, on a paper petition, one of us can stand up and bring it before the House. And then the Justice Minister has to respond to each of those. And it took quite a while before we started to see this response. And they literally came out and did say, and I, I should have it here, uh, but I'll, I'll paraphrase. It is on, on the website that uh, the Minister of Justice, David Lametti, said that we, uh, as the government of Canada, are against any kind of violence towards uh, women and girls, including sex-selective practices. So he didn't say the word abortion, but he did say practices. So to an average Canadian, that equals includes abortion. So that was very good to hear. Uh, They also in that same statement, punted it down, of course, to the provinces saying this is a provincial responsibility and it's the provincial government and the medical profession there that determines the parameters of this, this service and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but that won't fly. It doesn't fly, as, as I said in my speech, because 
in Canada, this government has taken advantage of presenting uh, specific bills on assisted dying, on conversions therapy, which are medically uh, related uh, for the provinces because they felt there was a charter concern. And there certainly is in this regard too. So as well, um, a lot of Canadians don't know that we have a sex elective law in Canada already. And that is in regards to in vitro fertilization. Um, when a couple choose, you know, aren't able to have children and, and want an embryo implanted, there's a very specific law that says you cannot in any way uh, impact that implantation based on the sex of the child that you would want, which of course just shows where science is at, right? Because people think you have to wait until you can have that ultrasound to determine if it's a boy or a girl. This happens at the moment of conception, genetic sex is determined. And the methods now of dealing with that, obviously at a very early stage in life, that can be determined, which to me just gives that more, much more importance to the fact that we need to say what our values are in Canada, because, uh, you know, that, that ability to, to abort with a pill now and this type of thing is very disconcerting. And we need to set out what we value as Canadians. And this is it. Yeah, th this is it. And and we talk often about, I mean, where the, the hill to die on and, and Peter and I talk very often about the standards that we're trying to hold Canadians to. And and this is a very low bar, I, I feel like not killing baby girls for the fact that they're baby girls. I, I think that's pretty important. I'm, I'm glad that you give that clarity around the, the in vitro fertilization, because a lot of people are unfamiliar with that. And, and think that right. um, this is entirely new. And I'm glad as well that you, you point out how they try to kick this down to the provincial level. Because I'm sure that if a province, your home province of Saskatchewan or my home province of Alberta, if they were to to offer some degree of regulation, that there would probably be pushback and not rejoicing from the Liberal government right now. So I think I think those are really... Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Really, really good clarifications yeah. there. Plus, it's actually a Liberal government that brought in that uh, in vitro fertilization law, right? So we do need to respond, though, to the concerns of the medical community, because, of course, people right away, they say, oh, how dare you criminalize a, a doctor, right? You know, you should be attacking the woman in this case. Well, we know where that would go. Um, what we really want to do is change the practice. And, um, you know, the Canadian Medical Association did studies that are reported and peer-reviewed in their journals that show, uh, now they can only do it through um, extrapolation because we don't keep any records. So you can, you can extrapolate through uh, the ratios of births. And they indicated clearly that this is a problem in Canada. And then the uh, Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have indicated that they do not agree with using ultrasounds for the purpose of determining the sex for the purpose of sex-selective abortion and do not agree with the procedure. So as well, um, colleges of physicians and surgeons are saying the same thing, but they aren't the ones that make laws. All they can do is say that these are things that, that are contrary to what we believe is appropriate for us to be doing as the medical profession. It's up to us as legislators to bring in the laws that create that framework and foundation for all of these things to work together. Mm. That's right. Yeah. And I love one of the things that you said about how um, this is uncomfortable for the prime minister because he, you know, 
promotes himself as a, a very pro-abortion feminist. His party has to be pro-abortion. Um, and that hinges on the pro-abortion position uh, in many ways hinges on the fact that the pre-born are not human beings. They're not human beings worthy of any sort of respect. Uh, and then here we are, the medical community is, is clear that we can determine the sex of a pre-born child um, who does in fact happen to be a child. So this is a, a difficult position, which is great. So you, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned the the evidence for sex selective abortions in Canada, and and I, I appreciate that you said that because I can I can see some people saying that this is a bit of a witch hunt. Um, this sort of thing doesn't really happen in Canada. We're democratic. We appreciate human rights and all of those things. Um, do you know offhand the ratio of um, you know the the male to female ratio that would indicate that sex selective abortion is in fact happening? Sure, within those studies, and they're on my site as well at Kathy Del kathywagenthal.ca, um, what, uh, what we have to remember is in these studies, they were studying a, a particular ethnic minority in Canada, an ethnic group, and uh, there it was 1.96 males to female, which is high. And, and in those communities, it's true, there is such a pressure to have a son, right? And it's a normal cultural practice uh, from many, many decades ago, but even within India, they have a sex selection law, it, it, and they also work very hard on uh, restricting the use of ultrasounds. And then, of course, there's many other things that you need to do as well to change that mindset. And so in Canada, uh, that's important that as people come to our country uh, and they make it their own, that they understand that when they come here, here are our, what our values are. And um, it also happens uh, in other circumstances, you know, there's this thing called the designer family where, you know, a couple would like to just have one boy and one girl or whatever, right? So it is a concern and W5 did do a sting operation undercover, going to a clinic that they sensed was specifically there for that purpose. And they did get evidence, but we have no law. So this isn't to, to, you know, criminalize everyday doctors. It's, it, it's to deal with uh, physicians, especially who would take advantage of this circumstance and make a living at it as well. So, yeah. I, I, I think that you offer some really good clarifications in there as well, not only showing the, the evidence, and we're going to have that in our show notes, that the studies that have come out from the Canadian Medical Association Journal and whatnot, but also just that, that narrative that it's not simply, um, uh, I, I'm sure that, that you've had at least a few people kind of target you as like, is this a, a racist motive or, or something like that? But this, this isn't solely something observed within different ethnic communities but you you mentioned it and peter you and i have seen it on on street corners and doorsteps this idea of designer families i'm glad that you mentioned that and that this will again protect on that that it's not a matter of mm -hmm. oh well i've already got enough boys or i've already got enough girls this is actually a means to protect more human beings not just human beings within a particular ethnic right. or cultural kind of tradition, I suppose. Right. Also on the ethnic front, it's important to note that um, the Vedic Hindu Society of British Columbia, as well as the United Sikhs of Canada, provided uh, written letters of affirmation to this bill. So they're indicating that, we f that they feel that it's important that this bill be passed to protect uh, baby girls. And they say we have a responsibility uh, to do that. And also 
very concerned about our um, how we are viewed on the international stage. And that uh, falls back to their homeland of India. They want the world to know that Canada has this high value of baby girls, of women, in the same way that we do men, that this equality issue is very, very important to us. And so that was just an amazing thing to get their, their support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so building on that, and, and I think that's really encouraging, again, to draw people's attention to, we'll link to your website in the show notes as well. And so moving on to the next question of, we, we get lots of questions, I'm sure you get lots of questions as well, about the enforcement and practical impact of this bill, of how will this bill actually <laughs> save lives? And, and I know that my, my colleague uh, in the movement, Tabitha Ewart, had a very good point around the educational value and and how even if this saves one life, then, then isn't that an incredible thing? How would you see or how would you respond to that question of how this bill, if, if it is passed, Lord willing, it will be, how it will be enforced and the practical impact it'll have in protecting the lives of preborn children? Sure. And that is an argument that comes up as well, the, the whole question of racism and then, of course, that it's not enforceable and you're just uh, making it more difficult for women. The truth of the matter is our responsibility within the House of Commons is to create laws, not to enforce them. That's not part of our responsibility, but to create good law that reflects the values and the concerns of Canadians. And certainly in the case uh, you know, of this law, it is difficult to enforce. I don't question that. But let's take a look at some other laws. Has uh, our, have our drunk driving laws removed all drunk driving off our roads? No, but it's a huge value that we continue to push that dr drinking and driving is not acceptable. It takes lives. And so that would be the same case here. Uh, the Prime Minister tried to remove um, some information in our citizenship uh, manual about female genital mutilization. And Canadians were not impressed, like he had no choice but to turn that around. Well, how often does that happen in Canada? You know, that's something that's very hard to determine as well. But we have a law that says this is not acceptable. So it's very important uh, from my perspective to make sure that when women are coming in to choose to have an abortion, the doctor has the tools, as Tabitha calls them, in their hands to be able to say, look, in Canada, sex-elective abortion is illegal. That isn't cannot be a reason for you choosing to have an abortion. It doesn't force her to dis, to uh, disclose why she is having one, but again, it's an educational tool, and it's it's indicating that this is something that is not uh, supported in our country. Mm -hmm. That that's great, and, and I want to bring up one of the one of the things that I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard it as well. Um, that even though, you know, on the surface, you're talking about sex selective abortion, what you're really trying to do is bring abortion back into the conversation, into the political conversation. Um, you know, this is just a tool. You're not necessarily as concerned about this, but this is a tool for you to kind of push your abortion agenda through the, uh, the house of commons. How would you respond to something like that? That, that this is, this is not actually you trying to protect women, but actually it's an infringement upon women's rights because you're trying to get rid of abortion completely. Right, right. That's uh, very common. I mean, the truth of the matter is what they're saying is, I don't really care about baby girls dying in the womb, which is counterintuitive big time. Yeah, the truth of the matter is that doesn't have any teeth because 84% um, of Canadians, as described in this poll, uh, are 
the ones that are pushing this conversation. And uh, quite truthfully, uh, about 13% of that would be representative of people like me that are pro-life, which means the vast majority are clearly pro-choice who realize that we need limitations and, and uh, boundaries, frameworks around abortion, which is what the Supreme Court even indicated with the Morgenthaler decision, that they expected that we, as legislators, would bring in parameters that would, to some degree, protect the fetus. So there's no teeth to that. There's no truth to that. Um, it's really important to me that this comes forward and we, we do it for the right reasons, which is to protect baby girls, first of all, and then to, to speak strongly about equality between men and women and to champion our values on the world stage. That's right. I, I like that you you point back to the fact that 84% of Canadians support this. This happens to be an extremely democratic thing that you're doing, yeah. uh, the, the bill that you're proposing. <laughs> and I can imagine it would be a hard or difficult on contentious issues to get 84% of the population to agree on anything. <laughs> um, Very good yet, point. Yeah. And, and yet here we are on the topic of abortion, specifically ending the life of a child because of their sex, um, a very democratic thing uh, and bill that you're mm -hmm. promoting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And and I I'm excited to get the conversation going further. I know Peter, you and I have both, and and Kathy, I'm sure you've done as you mentioned your, the trade shows and and conversations with constituents and all all sorts of other Canadians. This is such a, a great tool to have in our belt to have conversations when somebody says, "No, I support abortion in all cases." Well, what about this case? And it gives everybody pause to think. And so I think there's incredible educational value, even for having the conversation in Parliament. Mm -hmm. Again, Lord willing, this this does come into law, but even even bringing this back to the forefront of people's minds, I think is incredibly valuable. The next question I wanted to ask you, Kathy, right. um, we, we have lots of people asking about the impact that this could have, and Peter alluded to it, on future pro-life bills. Obviously, people in the pro-life movement are hoping that um, as we continue to transform society, there'll be more pro-life bills brought forward. Will this be a hindrance to other pro-life bills? Um, and I'm sure on, on the flip side, will this be a, a slippery slope towards those more pro-life bills? How do you see this bill impacting the landscape regarding um, the conversation about abortion and the legislation surrounding abortion going forward? Yeah, all right. That's, that's a really good question. Um, as, as I go into that, I just want to preface it with one comment uh, in regards to talking to Canadians, because I had an opportunity to go to a women and genders course uh, class at a college, and they wanted to talk about what it was like to be a woman in politics. So that's what I went expecting. However, I had introduced my bill just a couple of days earlier, and that became the topic of the entire evening. And I wondered, well, where is this going to go, right? But you know what? In that room where feminism is a high value, um, they were appalled that this was happening in Canada. So that speaks again to that critical mass. Um, this bill on its own merit needs to happen. Um, as you may or may not know, yes, there are other bills that I would support. And specifically, uh, I, I did support Leslyn Lewis in her bid for the conservative leadership. And, you know, she was very brave and straightforward and reasonable and rational about her policies that she would introduce that all fall within that um, middle ground that the majority of Canadians agree with. And so I think we have to stop this bashing of heads together 
and have real conversations that reflect what the majority of Canadians want. And I do hear sometimes, you know, there are people, and and I am as pro-life as the next person that is pro-life. You know, from the earliest, from conception, (laughs) well, from conception to, to natural death, life is sacred. That's how I feel. Um, But I had this amazing experience of going to Hungary. I've been there twice. And that country is phenomenal. 10 million people. And they ended up with basically um, uh, a government made up of two two parties, one very conservative, another uh, very Christian orientated. So they were able, because they had such a critical mass, change their entire constitution, which now reads... We believe that God is the supreme being, being and, you know, the family is the foundation and all these types of things. Well, you can imagine how that went over with some people in that country. Um, you know, there is, like, Mr. Soros owns the university, a lot of very left-leaning thinking. But I love what they have done because what they did is they didn't try to bash heads and force people to change, which is what this prime minister does with his attestations and his little boxes that you're supposed to tick off, Right. What they did is they said, go ahead, do what you're doing, uh, even with the university. But then what they did is added a huge department on marriage and the family to that university. They started to encourage um, faith groups. If you wanted to run your own school, here are the high priorities for how you have to educate children. But you can also then teach your faith. And then they, uh, they of course, want to grow their population, so they indicated to couples, men and women, who were willing to have three children in the course of the next decade, so making that commitment, uh, if you did, you you were given a down payment on a house, uh, a line of credit. If the two of you earn the average income in Hungary, you pay no taxes uh, on your income. They have a high consumption tax, so if you can afford two cars, you pay a higher GST type of thinking. But uh, they've seen families grow because they're investing in family. And now they've brought in new uh, legislation that if you have a fourth child, they give you a brand new van. That resonates with my kids, I'll tell you. And then uh, they also, from that point on, that woman will never pay taxes again for the rest of her life. So I'm not sure how much of that we could incorporate in Canada. My kids all want to move to Hungary. but. you know, we can do things that say we value the family and we want to invest in you seeing that children are our greatest resource. Right now in the House of Commons, and I listen for it, uh, the minister on the status of women, when she stands up to speak, her statement always says something around, it is so unfortunate that women still carry the heaviest burden in raising children. And I just, it just makes my heart ache because, of course, she's talking about our most valuable resource, far more important than any other resource that we have as a country, as a nation. So, so that I see as an opportunity for us to, to deal with the parameters that need to be there. I mean, we're the only country in the world, democratic country, that has no laws. No laws. The only other country that stands beside us with that is North Korea. Like, hello. So it's time to join the world on this issue. Yeah, yeah I, com- I completely agree. And as, uh, as a husband with, a, with two young children, um, I think you've sold it on moving to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, 
No, that's that's great though. I, I love the focus on the family, how the family is is kind of the foundation of society. Exactly. Um, and really, you know, putting forward laws and making these tax exemptions and so on and so forth to really encourage people to start families and to, you know, to have a number of children and uh, and raise those children to be productive members of society. Now, one of the things, Kathy, that we love to do on this podcast is give people the tools that they need to, uh, I mean, usually it depends what we talk about. I mean, if we're talking about on the street conversations, we want to give them the tools that they can use to have really winsome conversations. But here we're talking about your bill, uh, Bill C-233. <laughs> Um, so we want to give Canadian listeners uh, an opportunity to get involved in any sort of way that they can. So how can people get involved and, I guess, optimize the likelihood of this bill becoming law or passing or, or going as far as it, it could mm -hmm. in the House of Commons? Yeah, I have one more hour of debate in the second reading. And at the end of that, my goal, of course, is to see it go to committee where we could have medical professionals and whatnot come and just share their testimony along with individuals and whatnot. But as far as, as engaging, it is so important to me that people reach out to their member of parliament. If it's someone that you know will support the bill, uh, please thank them. It is not an easy thing to do. And then also, if they don't, um, certainly use reasonable conversation to encourage them to make the decision to do what they can actually do. This is a private member's bill. And in our party, um, even though, of course, I'm causing some angst by doing this, um, I have the right and the privilege to bring forward a private member's bill that I feel is important to the country. It doesn't have to reflect uh, my political party. It doesn't have to reflect issues that are within the House already. So this is something that we need to take really seriously as parliamentarians. So um, even encouraging others to do this type of legislation, to bring it forward, anything where Canadians are so starved for a proper conversation within the House of Commons. So you can talk about those things as well. And um, I still have the paper petition available. Uh, this morning in the House, I was able to table the e-petition, and it was put forward by Sukhwinder Singh, who is the uh, National Director of United Sikhs Canada, and it's basically the, the paper petition, but on an e-petition format. We didn't have it out for very long because we were concerned if the date went too long and we ended up in an election, I may not get to stand up in the House and present it. So I presented 10,197 signatures this morning. But the paper ones as well make a big difference because, as I said, you can stand up over and over with those. And even if you signed the e-petition, that's a separate thing. You can still sign a paper petition. And what I would also encourage people to do is reach out and share everything that you can find on social media about this. Within the House, a lot of my colleagues are sharing as well. And put it out there to your friends. And I would encourage you, if you are able, um, you know, it, it doesn't do us any good to just talk to the converted, right? The people we know. We know that out there, the majority of the pro-choice community agrees with this. So to even put that out there, hey, are you pro-choice? Do you want to have a conversation about this? Would you support this? Just to get that conversation going uh, beyond the parameters of the people that you maybe usually connect with on this issue. And then go to my website. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the question. So what's your website and where can we find this petition that you speak of? 
Okay, it's kathywagenthal.ca. Um, my name is unusual. It's C-A-T-H-A-Y. And then Wagenthal is all A's. It's not a wagon that you pull. It's W-A-G-A-N-T-A-L-L.ca. So a ton of A's in there. And you can mm -hmm. go there and all of the articles and the, uh, the important uh, information about the bill are there. The petition is there as well. You can print it off and uh, send it in. That would be great. Wonderful. Kathy, I, I am so encouraged by the work that, that you're doing. I'm encouraged by the fact that there are other members of parliament who are standing alongside you and, and advocating in favor of this bill. And I'm glad that you mentioned a lot of those educational components as well for initiating conversation with your friends and family members and whatnot, whether it's just to get the conversation going or whether it's mobilizing more of them to be able to reach out to even more politicians and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really encouraged by that. Just wanted, just wanted to give you a little bit of time towards the end here to talk about whether there's particular stories that stand out over this journey from you or, or anything else that you think that our listeners should be bearing in mind about this bill that maybe isn't um, on, on the tip of their, their tongue already. What, what do you think people need to know that might not be in the... Um, I, I don't know if you're allowed to talk specifically about um, news agencies, but it, it might not be included in the CBC coverage or the CTV coverage of your bill. What do you think it's important for people to to know at the end of the day, I guess? Well, I think the thing that just thrills me the most is that there's proof out there within that um, media base that says that Canadians are not polarized on this issue the way that um, they they have been led to think they are. I guess is a good way to put it. That's been huge for me to realize um, that regardless of the pushback and, you know, that desperation, which is in the house, there's no question because, you know, this concept of a woman's right, um, even the United Nations does not recognize that. The majority of the state members will not agree to that statement that abortion is not a right. It, you know, the Supreme Court of Canada said that the way that it was being handled in law was not appropriate and that it needed to change but they did not say that this is something that should have no parameters on it so there's that uh, whole issue as well and, and I'm very encouraged by the fact that you know we're, we're we're resonating on this whole thing about human rights and equality between men and women because that is the true crux of this particular issue and that's taking that conversation away from the extreme what I call pro-abortion group, which is 16%. If you look at that 84%, there's 16% that said, no, you should still be able to have an abortion even if you're, you're having it simply because you don't like the sex of the child, right? So they do not have the platform that they've had in the past. And I'm really sensing that Canada is on a new, is going on a new direction. And, and that is very encouraging. It's been 15 years uh, since any kind of legislation was brought to the floor of the House of Commons on abortion. So. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great place to end. And Kathy, I want to say one more time, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the House of Commons, the work that you're doing being a voice uh, in our political sphere and our political realm yeah. for the voiceless, um, for preborn children. Um, who are losing their lives based on their sex. So thank you so much. Uh, we are going to put the link to your website in the description okay. uh, so our listeners can uh, can go down to our description and find it there and there, there'll be no, uh, you, they, they won't make mistakes writing it in their, you know, in the search <laughs> bar. 
Um, well, hopefully along... it would Google up. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, Maybe more great, so yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Thank but... you for what you guys do. Seriously. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time today and joining us. You're welcome. That was MP Kathy Wagenthal on sex selective abortions in Canada. Abortion on the basis of sex because the child is a girl and the parents don't want a girl. Uh, we think that this is something um, that ought, that is an injustice that ought to be uh, put away with in our society that prides itself on human rights. And uh, and I know many of our listeners do as well. So we have the links in the description for the action points. Cam, could you just highlight um, some of the things that we could do for action points, uh, you know, with with the links that are in the description? Hundred percent. Two big things I want to encourage you to do. First of all, check out the group We Need a Law.ca. We Need a Law.ca will be in the show notes. This is a division of ARPA Canada, the Association for Reform Political Action. They have been magnificent ambassadors for not only this bill, but for um, all forms of legal restrictions against abortion. And they have a lot of tools and a lot of guidance for how you can effectively lobby your local politician, whether they're a member of the Conservative Party, whether they're a member of a different party, um, so that you can offer a compelling reason why they should um, vote to ban a very, very sexist and discriminatory act in Canada. So check out weenalaw.ca. Not only that, but please have conversations with your friends, your family members, and um, others in your community to help them have those conversations as well. So often for politicians, this is a matter of getting enough voices that even the most ardently pro-abortion politician will hopefully vote in favor of accepting and passing this bill into law if enough of their constituents step up to the plate. And so we absolutely need you to step up to the plate and we need you to mobilize the people around you to step up to the plate as well. Bam. Thank you, sir. Well, everyone, we are the Pro-Life Guys. You can find us on your favorite podcast catcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find a lot of our video content on YouTube as well. So go check out uh, the Pro-Life Guys podcast on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pro-Life Guys podcast so that you don't miss out on any new episodes or any new content. Uh, I want to highlight once again, uh, we are on Patreon. If you want to become a financial partner, there's some options for some pretty cool merch that you can get uh, a signed copy of a book by Cameron Cote himself, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I love a good signed copy of a book by Cameron Cote. Um, the book is stuck, a complete or comprehensive guide to answering tough questions about abortion and more. Patreon.com slash pro-life guys. Find our other episodes as well. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, about the abortion wars and how to have effective and winsome conversations about abortion. Be prepared so that the next time a conversation comes up on the topic of abortion, you know what to say and you know how to say it in a way that uh, is useful and conducive to changing their minds and highlighting the humanity of the preborn children. Thanks. Thanks again. Uh, we hope you tune in again next time. God bless you all. 